way down, tell them the Lord loves you, and so do I. Good morning, or good afternoon, new movement. I still haven't gotten over that. I'm a church boy, I can't help it. Church always seems to start in the morning. But one thing that we say around here is church doesn't actually start when you get here. It actually starts when you leave. And that's why we we are named New Movement, because we believe that the world needs a movement. It's calling for a movement. It's calling for people who come behind a cause. And I just believe that if Jesus was walking here on the earth, that a whole lot of church people wouldn't like him. They wouldn't like what he was about. They wouldn't like where he was hanging out. They wouldn't like his political views. They wouldn't like the way he dressed. They wouldn't like who he talked to. And I don't know what happened over the years and as church has become established and become an institution, it's so easy to lose sight of what the real mission of the church is, what the real mission of the gospel is. If you read the scriptures, you'll see that this was something that people were willing to die for. They were willing to give their lives to. They were willing to lay it all on the line. And I believe that we are coming to a place before Jesus comes again. And we believe Jesus is coming soon. That it's going to get to a point where you're going to have to be willing to die for Jesus. I just believe that. I don't believe we're going to just waltz in. I don't believe it's going to be easy. I believe it's going to be harder. And I believe that we are setting ourselves in place to be a part of the push, the final push of the cause of God in this generation. And I don't believe that we're outcasts or believe that we should be weird or different. We're everyday people like everybody else, but there's just something that we believe in. There's just something that we're hoping for that keeps us going, that keeps us pushing. And I don't know what you came in here with, but I pray today as you leave that you will feel free, that you will feel the freedom of God, that you will know the hope. And that at this end, at the end of the message today, if you've never really given Jesus an opportunity to lead you, to invite him into your life, I'm going to give you that opportunity today as I'm going to do every single week because it's really all about Jesus. It's really all about what he wants and what he desires. And we believe that this church is here, especially on the east side. Can I get an amen for the east side? I got something for the east side. I got to be honest with you. The places where people say, don't drive over there. It's dangerous. You're right. It's dangerous because there's a church over here called New Movement. And there's a place where God's spirit is moving. And you better be careful because something might happen to you if you get over here. Anybody believing with me on what God wants to do in this church, in this city, in this generation with these people that I'm looking at today? So I bring you greetings on behalf of the church Uh, the pastoral staff, and all of those who are here. I am the pastor here, by the way, if you're here for the first time. But I like to give greetings on on behalf of the team because I don't pastor here by myself. Amen? In fact, one of the best thriving, growing churches in the Tri-Cities is about 100 feet from this room. It's in the Hope City Hero Room, all the kids over there from ages 3 to 12. It's absolutely fantastic. I really wish you could see it. They have so much fun. The curriculum is incredible. And I've actually already talked to our children's pastor about a Hope City Hero takeover. So they're going to take over this space. And we're going to get a little taste of what they do. And before you come, before that happens, I'll make sure you get your Bengay and your ankle braces. 
and make sure you get some comfortable clothes because you're going to need it when it's Hope City Hero Takeover Day. And it's going to be a lot. Of, and I'm serious. We're going to have fun. We're going to eat gross stuff and gummy worms for breakfast. What well, They don't do that over there, but they're going to take over, and I'm looking forward to that. So we are in a series of focus called Divine Interruption. And I'm excited about the message today, and I'm excited about those who are here. And I just want to put this on the record because it's special. And I want us to make some noise because I want her to see it later. She can't see it today because she is over there working with uh, our Hope City Heroes, our next-gen kids. But yesterday was someone very special's birthday. Her name is Kara Weber, and she is is, the, is a rock in this church and happens to be my mother-in-law. And yesterday, she turned the wise age, the beautiful young age of 70 years old. And I thought we ought to erupt and let her see it, that we love her. Happy birthday. Brother Weber, her husband, is over there. And he's clapping the hardest. And I just pray that she keeps on going. She looks absolutely fantastic. And uh, like I told the team earlier, that's good news for me. And maybe Missy one of these days will will grow into that beauty. And it's not that much hope for me, though, but at least for her, at least. Uh, When I get 70, I don't know what I'm going to look like. I might look like the black Homer Simpson, but we'll see. So I want to uh, continue in our our series today, and I want to pray that God would speak to us in a special way. Father, we're grateful for this time, for this moment, for what you are doing in this house with these people, and today for this message, that it would bless us, that would lead us to really a stronger faith in you. And I pray for those today who will make a decision, maybe for the first time, let them know that they're making the best decision they could ever make. We love you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited. This is part five of a series we've entitled Divine Interruption. And let me tell you what it's all about. Divine Interruption is God's way of calling us to our highest self. Now, I know that's contemporary language. I know that's language that's kind of strange. What is your highest self? Oh, I just realized. See that beautiful note? There we go. Uh, that your highest self is the God's picture and idea for you, what he desires you to be and who he desires you to be. And so really God is calling us to something that he's created us to be. And what I love about God is he likes to interrupt us every once in a while. When we're going to the wrong direction, he will interrupt us. I say this every single week, but it's literally the best explanation I have because I grew up in a black home with a black mother. And there were a lot of divine interruptions. Amen. That means there were some times when the Lord, through my mother, would interrupt my behavior. And she would set me straight. You don't have to be black to experience that. But that's what my experience was. And I'm grateful for it. And so God's calling us to our highest self. And what may look like a trial, or this word, or even a tragedy, for some people, is an opportunity for the believer. I know that seems countercultural, right? Counterintuitive. Why would something that's bad happening or a trial or a tragedy actually be an opportunity? That's the way the Bible says the believer thinks about it. That's the way the the Bible says a believer begins to understand what's happening. And we've been following the book of Daniel, but we've really gotten this particular passage from James 
chapter 1. This is pretty much where this whole series is birthed out of. And we are following the story of Daniel and looking at how he lives this out. But here's the main text that we're pulling this whole series from. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. Brothers and sisters, when troubles come. And I love it. If you've got an old school Bible and you can underline it, please underline when. Underline when. It's not if. It's not maybe. It's not just in case. It's when. Troubles are coming. And it's plural. Troubles. Sometimes more than one are coming. Right? It's, 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 it's KJ Wright. It's Bobby Wagner. And it's Cloney at the same time. Troubles are coming. And so he says to encourage us, come when it come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, it's football season. When your offensive line is tested, when they got their issues worked out, your endurance has a chance to grow. When you've got trouble, the word endurance we've been teaching is really the word to outlast. That you can outlast your trouble. It's an opportunity to tell your trouble, oh yeah, I've been in the gym, I'm ready for this. Oh, yeah, I got my faith up. The last time this came, I got stronger since then. I can outlast the trouble. It's a blessing when you can financially outlast some trouble. Anybody know that that's a blessing? Because troubles come, especially finances. And it's a great thing when you begin to reorder your life and reorder your finances to not start thinking about yourself or thinking about now, but you start thinking about generation and start thinking about legacy and start thinking about generosity and God would have it that he'd order some things that there are some troubles that you can outlast by God's instruction. And so so let it grow, the, the text says, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. What James is really trying to tell us is that there's some things in your life that are incomplete. There are some things that still need to grow. They still need to develop. They still need to get better. We don't get to a point where we just say, I'm good. This is just where it is. God's like, no, I'm going to keep on pushing you because you haven't gotten to your highest self yet. You haven't gotten to the point where I see you. It may be good for you, but this isn't good enough for me. This is not where I have in mind for your life. I have more in line. And the more pressure and the more trials and troubles come, they're not coming to punish you. They're coming for an opportunity for joy. It's coming for an opportunity to say, I got over this. I got over that. I can testify. I don't know if anybody in this room can testify that you've been through some stuff. You've got over some trials. And you look and look back and say, that thing used to really mess me up. But now I got some victory. And now I can help some people with it. And so we've been following the book of Daniel. Daniel is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It kind of has a cousin in the Old Te- New Testament called Re- Revelation. And those two books have conversation with each other. They're both what we would call prophetic books. And Daniel's book, as we go into it, starts becoming a little more prophetic. It has more prophetic themes and biblical prophecy. And a lot of those things are picked up and answered in Revelation. In fact, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, these are one of the two Books that we just we just feel that are so important and it gives us an understanding of how we can survive even in these days that we're living in. And so we've been looking at Daniel for this reason, because Daniel shows us 
how God is inviting us to join him where he is working in unseen places. Does that sound a little spooky to you? God is working in unseen places. I think that's good news. That means God is where I can't see. God is in the blind spots. God is in the moments and behind the scenes that I don't know. And what God is saying is I'm inviting you to that. I want to, you to join me in that work. I'm wanting you to do it. And so we are at, um, J, or excuse me, we're in Daniel chapter 5. And where we left off last time, you have to go to the podcast and, and look it up and listen to it. But we're in Daniel chapter 5 now. And we've been following the story of um, a king, Nebuchadnezzar. And a lot has changed in Daniel chapter 5. Where we left off in Daniel chapter 4, the king had finally been converted and he's giving praise to God. And now we end up in Daniel chapter 5 and something has changed. Here's what the Bible says. Daniel chapter 5, many years later, King Belshazzar. Now you remember Daniel's uh, Babylonian name is Belteshazzar with a Z in it. So it's very close. Really, that name kind of relates to the major god of their day. Daniel was named after one of the major gods of his day. And this king's name uh, is, an, is clo- very close to his name. And so a new king, Belshazzar, which was probably Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of people. And he drank wine with them. Okay, feast, wine, I get it, right? Party, okay, do what you want to do. But it gets a little interesting. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, because a lot of things happen when you're drinking the wine. You shouldn't make too many good decisions when you're drinking the wine. Because 15 minutes could cost you 18 years in child support. I'm just saying. Things happen when you're drinking the wine. And so he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, this word is repeated very very often here, Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. This don't sound like tea time to me. Don't sound like the king, the queen of England is there. This sounds like Magic City. Umatilla. I know where that is. Um, I just know where it is. Got to go get my members there sometimes. Just kidding. Um, he, <laughs> he wanted to drink. Don't listen to me. He wanted to drink it with his wives, his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. Now, hold up. The king said, we're taking shots. But I don't want to take them from the regular shot glasses. I want to take them from the communion cups. Some of the church people are like, ooh. Yeah, we're taking shot glasses in communion cups. I want strippers on the communion table. I want a pole in the baptismal pool. We're going to set it off up in here. Can we set it off? I'm just going to go ahead and set it off. This is what the king set it off. Because this is what it got really bad. It said that not only did they do that, 
But it said that while they were drinking, they praised their idols made from gold, silver, iron, wood, and stone. This is what it was feel like. You came in a new movement today. You walked in the door, and this is what you heard. You got to turn it up. Come on, Pastor. Let's pop these bottles. Look at y'all looking nervous like you don't know this song. This is, this is the king up in church. That's good. Come on, man. Turn it up. I want the music up. He's like, King, you know, there's something on the screen. Turn the music down. There's something, on the, there's something on the wall. Bible says, a hand that would look like a human hand started drawing on the wall. And it drew these words. Meaning, meaning, tecto, parson. I'm going to tell you what it means. Because at the time, Daniel didn't know what it meant. Or excuse me, uh, Belshazzar didn't know what it meant. But Daniel eventually interprets the dream. Can I, can I, can I just tell you something? Here, here's one thing I wanted to say. Um, because we can look at this and say, wow, this is really inappropriate for the king to be taking shots with the communion glasses and, and playing this kind of music in the church. Like, what was, what was happening? Why was he defiling God? Let me ask you a question. What things that are holy in your life are you using to party with? Is it your mouth? Because the Bible says blessing and cursings can't come out the same mouth. Is it your phone? Is it your hands? Is, your, is it your flesh? Like, Because it's real easy to judge, but it's also real easy to borrow the holy things of God and use them for a party. So the king is trying to figure out what the words mean. Let me tell you what the words mean. See, meaning means numbered. And God was basically saying that you're... Days are numbered, fam. Like you, you, you have some, don't think that you're going to do this forever. Don't think that your kingdom is going to last forever. In fact, I told your predecessor through a prophetic dream that there is endings to kingdoms. Don't think that what you have set up is going to last forever. In fact, you, your, your days are numbered. Time is running out. On you, and he says it twice. Tecto means this. I love this one. You, I have weighed you in the balances, and you haven't measured up. Can I give you a contextual nomenclature? Just give you some ebonics. You a little light. You can fill in the less rest of it. <laughs> you a little light in the hind parts, brother. You not measuring up. What what you what you think you are? And I started balancing. The justice with the injustice. I started balancing the responsibilities with the recklessness. I started balancing the devotion and the commitment to your own kingdom. And you're not measuring up. You're a little bit heavy on the self side. 
You're a little bit heavy on your agenda. You're a little bit heavy on your preferences. You're a little bit heavy on what you want to consume and what you want to do. And I'm measuring you. You're a little light. You're not measuring up. To the, can I say it to you? Maybe you're a little light on the purpose. And God's like, your purpose is really heavy. And right now, what, what you have in your life is not really measuring up to where I, I need to tip those scales so that it's in balance. And the last word means divided. Parson means divided. He said, look, I've divided up your kingdom. Because God is trying to make a point here that the, what you are leading belongs to me. Don't get it twisted that you can just go pull out the stuff and start having a party. And then he's like, and then you're going to worship some your gods with my stuff. See, God has a problem with that. He has a problem with it. I'm just telling you. God gets a little, he gets a little funny about that. When we start praising our gods of wood and stone, it's not adding up. And so there's a problem here. So verse 6 and 5 the Bible says they're, they're, they're shaking. Suddenly, their fingers of a human hand writing on the wall near the lampstand. The king saw the hand as it wrote. He turned white with, or he turned pale, excuse me, with fright. His knees knocked together in fear. He was shaking. Then, verse 10 skips down and it says, But when the queen mother heard what was happening, mama heard what was happening, mama said, Oh, snap. Something is going down in the banquet hall. Everybody's knees are knocking. They're terrified. She says, let me run down there and go get this hard-headed boy. Let's go see what's going on. She runs down there. She hurried to the banquet hall. She said, Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be pale and frightened. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. She breaks it down to him. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight Understanding wisdom like the gods, your predecessor. Since somebody that's walked before you, you've inherited this. Someone has already learned this lesson. This is what's good about small groups because there's always somebody in the room that has learned that lesson. There's always somebody around you, if you seek God, that will tell you, don't do that. I've dated that brother so many times, he just got about four or five different names. But it's the same brother. I know exactly what he looks like. And I'm trying to help you. And so he's, she's saying, your predecessor, he's been through this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar made him chief over all the musicians, the enchanters, the astrologers, the fortune tellers of Babylon. His name, this man, Daniel. Woo, Daniel's got some juice. Because that's his Hebrew name. That's not the name that the king named him. Because when he came in, he came in as a rookie. He didn't have a lot of props. And then over time, people know him by his holy name. I wish I could preach this to ask you what your nickname was and what people know you by. But that's another sermon. So he says, Daniel, who the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge. Listen to grandma's description of this. And he understands he can interpret dreams, explain riddles, solve difficult problems, call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the dream means. In other words, mom shows up in the room and she says, where is Daniel? Now, Daniel's not that old at this point. Maybe, maybe 30s, maybe 40s, maybe. 
And she's looking around saying, where's Daniel? Now, here's what I, here's what I love about this because I paused when I was in my study on this. And, and this question, God kept bringing me back to this question. Where is Daniel? And I started thinking about this because when you read it, it sounds like the king doesn't know who he is. Did y'all see that? He has to be reintroduced by the queen. This is a man who's in charge of all the astrologers, all the magicians. And in fact, when the words first come on the screen, he calls for them. And they actually come, but they don't know what to do. But he doesn't know Daniel. This really began to be interesting to me. Because again, what this series is about is how our faith is increased through our trials and our troubles. And here's what, here's what God showed me that I really want the, the crux of this message is for you today. Here's really what I want to, to show you is that faith is not measured in the big moment. Yeah. True faith is not measured by the big moment. Because where is Daniel? Daniel's not in the spotlight. In fact, Daniel is off in the peripheral. Daniel's not invited when there's trouble, but Daniel is still in charge. And it seems like this new king has no idea who Daniel is. However, when someone speaks of Daniel, he has the same reputation. Can I say it this way? Daniel hasn't fallen off. Daniel is still consistent. Daniel's still hanging in there with God. Daniel's still walking faithfully in his faith. Daniel is still handling his business. He doesn't have a Twitter scandal. He doesn't have a Stormy Daniel somewhere. He doesn't have an Antonio Brown moment. Like he is walking the right direction. And everybody knows, yeah, the guy Daniel, he's the one, right? Divine knowledge, that guy, go get him. And I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by how he is continuing to go forward. Because here's the reality. We all have a Stormy Daniels moment. You ain't got to say amen because I know it's true. Somebody can pull up an Antonio Brown moment on you somewhere. But God has a way of protecting us and guiding us, even in our foolishness. But Daniel seems to be walking upright. But he's not in the limelight. See, there's something about being consistent and your faith measured in everyday moments. Everyday moments. Here's here's, here's one thing. See, I can tell how your week was like by how you worship today. I can tell what your week was like. I can tell how your everyday moments measured up. Because some people, when they come in the house, you can tell. There's just something they got to share with God. There's just a moment they're like, get out of my way, right? I'm going to lift my hands. I might kick you. You might get a headbutt. I know y'all ain't always like this, but there's some people like, look, you're going to have to get out of my way because I'm having a moment with God. And I'm present in God's presence, and it's not for the first time this week. Because it's in the little moments. You can tell when somebody's here for the big moment. 
You ever tell anybody in your life who's there for the birthday party, for the big thing, right? The big celebration, the big, the, the barbecue, the holiday party. But call them on a Tuesday and see if they can pick you up for work. Right? In the everyday moments. That's where the faith is measured. And Daniel has a way of his faith being tested every single day, every single moment. When I was a kid, I used to break, I was talking to my kids about this, I used to break up a lot of fights when I was a kid. I don't know why it was. I was always the smallest kid, but I just, I didn't, I just always broke up fights. And here's the thing. Like when you see two people fighting, there's usually a couple different types of people. You see the one person like, hey man, back up off me, right? And they're yelling, but I'll mess you up. And, and as soon as somebody grabs them, Right, they get real strong, right? Then like, they really want to fight when somebody's holding them back. Man, let me go. I'll mess you up. Da, 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 right? So I know when I'm breaking up a fight, I ain't got to worry about that one. The one I got to worry about is the one like this. Right? The one that's quiet like this. If I see that dude, I'm like, oh, I got to put my hands on that dude. The, the, the person that's quiet in the chaos, if there's a if there's violence is breaking out and you just see a dude standing like this, Looking at his watch, you need to watch out for that brother or that brother needs to be on your team. I'm just telling you. He is way too calm. That's because he's not trying to be big in the big moment. He knows he can fight. She knows she can fight. She knows she can handle her business. She doesn't have to be big and bold in the moment. And it's every single day. Listen to this. Look what look what. What David writes in Psalm 63. Look what David writes. I love this. Look how David talks. This is an everyday struggle. This is an everyday trial overcoming. You want to read about overcoming trials? Read David as he writes in the Psalms. He says, Psalm 63, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly searched for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. It is in this parched and weary land where there's no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Oh, how I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer, you steadfast, you, sorry, you satisfy me. With more than the richest feasts, I will praise you with songs of joy. I lay awake thinking about you, meditating on you day and night because you are my helper. I sing for joy to the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong and right hand holds me securely. That's an everyday kind of faith. That's not a big moment faith. That's someone who's walking every single day. It sounds different. This ain't just the I love you on the anniversary. This is I love you every single day. This is the note in the little sandwich box. This is, this is consistency. And, and here's the question. I know you want to ask me this because I wrote it down. Well, how am I supposed to develop my faith like this? How am I supposed to get there, Pastor? That sounds sweet. I want to be consistent because I'll tell you, I might be great today, but as soon as I leave here, it's going to be a situation. I'm going to be this person like this in the fight, right? That's going to be me in a little bit. You may not want to hear this. This is how you do it. This is how you develop that faith. It might not be good news for you. You ready for this? Trials. I know that's probably not the news you were looking for but it's trouble. And see, God has a way of sending you a little test 
He's okay, look, we can handle this one. Let's, let's work on this one, okay? Someone at work, bad attitude. Day number one, you recognize, bad attitude. Got caught off guard, okay, cool. They're gonna have a bad attitude tomorrow. Show up, bad attitude tomorrow. I ain't gonna say nothing to him. Okay, that was cool. Bad attitude on Wednesday? Yep, that's right, same person. This time they found you with the bad attitude. You trying to avoid them. They find you until you get to the point where you say, you know what, I'm gonna pray for my coworker tonight. Then I'm gonna ask him tomorrow. I'm gonna beat him to the punch. What's your favorite coffee? I don't know. Okay, cool. Sound like a hot chocolate, maybe. You go to Roasters, right? You get there early. Hey, I bought you a coffee today. Huh? God's like, that's my girl. Bam. Trials. Problems. Every day. Very simple. Just get up with me in the morning. Five minutes. Just give me five minutes. Just put on the audio Bible while you're brushing your teeth. Let's just start there. It's little moments. And over a little time, you start getting in the gym. You start getting stronger. And, and what happens is you're not bothered by things. Here's what I love about the story as I wrap this up. Back in Daniel. So the king calls Daniel in. He's like, all right, come on in, Daniel. Daniel shows up. And Daniel, I, I, if you read it carefully, he's not really pulling a lot of punches this time. He's real direct. He's real straight. He reminds him. He says, okay, king, listen, I want to break this down to you. Your predecessor already went through this. And what happened with your predecessor, as you should know, is he literally lost his mind. He was like an animal. He was walking around crazy. And God did that because he was proud and he was boastful. And this is what happened. But I'm going to break down what the dream means for you so you know it. Here's what I love about this. Let me pull these last few quick little three points out. Here's what I love about Daniel. Here's where a faith that is consistent shows up. It shows up because you're not bothered by certain things. Certain things don't bother you. Here's three things I noticed Daniel wasn't bothered by. Here's the first thing. He wasn't bothered by the king's forgetfulness. What you mean you don't know I'm Daniel? I was in charge. I'm in charge of all these people. Why didn't you consult me first? That's not his attitude. He doesn't come in here like, yep, see, I told you. Mm -hmm, I knew you were going to do something stupid. Now I'm here. Okay, here's what. What you want me to do now? He doesn't do all that. He's okay with not being recognized. He's okay. His attitude's not messed up because people don't think of him at what he used to be. I believe Daniel's figured out that there is a highest self for him and he has not even reached it yet. I'm not caught up on my own height or my own celebrity. I'm going to serve God whenever I'm needed. When he calls me, I'm going to show up and I'm going to show up with the spirit of God and I'm going to be prepared and I'm going to be ready to serve God. I'm going to be ready. I don't have to get ready. When God calls on me in the little things or the big things, it's always a big moment. Wherever God calls me, I'm going to be ready because I've decided to be faithful, keep my faith in his word, and I'm going to live this assignment until my days are done. I'm going to make this commitment with God to be who he called me to be. So it's okay if you forget about me. It's okay if you forget about the east side. I'm going to show up every single day, and we're going to keep on praying, keep on moving, keep on giving keep on working until the work of God is done 
worried about what the king forgot. Here's the other thing he didn't worry about. He didn't worry about, he didn't, wasn't bothered by the king's foolishness. I don't know, man. It's kind of hard for a preacher to walk in into a room like that and people are naked and drinking and getting high and it's crazy and you see, you see God's stuff getting defiled. Like, I'm just selling. I, I probably would have been a, a little certain kind of way. I probably would have been a little upset, really upset with what the king was doing. I would have felt like, man, you shouldn't have even gone in this direction. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're really defiling God right now in this moment. Like, what's up? But you know what? He's not bothered by the foolishness. He walks in. He does his job. And see, some of us can get so caught up in somebody else's foolishness that we are blind to our own. You know, that's why we, we, we have this church the way it is. Because we want people to come in here and we do not want anyone to feel judged about anything. I don't care what you walk in here with. Don't turn your religious nose up on anybody. Because the truth is told, you got some foolishness in your life. I can guarantee it. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. You don't got enough on you to be as holy as you want to be on your best day. We've all got issues. We've all got sin. We've all got problems. And when you begin to erase the judgmental eyes you have of somebody else's foolishness, you start looking in the mirror. Daniel was like, I got enough trouble of my own. Just sit around here and be like, mm. It's interesting this week, I heard so many debates Um, Some of my pastor friends, some church people were talking about Kanye's album, uh, Jesus is King. I listened to it about probably 50 times to just critique it and try. And I was surprised, literally 50 times, I was surprised by the criticisms and the argument about what Kanye West is doing. And my question is, what are you doing that we can critique? What are you putting out there that we can have discussion? No, focus is wrong. Focus is on the wrong stuff. Daniel's like, I'm not even focused on this foolishness right now. I'm here to deliver this message in the best way I can. And here was the last one. Daniel's not bothered by the king's flattery. The king's like, look, you solved this riddle. I'm going to give you, I'm making you charge, third in charge. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to give you the role. I'm going to give you, the, I'm going to give you all the days. And you can keep that stuff. I don't need to be recognized. I don't need to be set on a pedestal. I don't need the attention. I don't need the best seat in the house. I don't need my name or my face on the website. I don't need that many likes. I'm good. I'm just here to serve God. I don't need the flattery. And sometimes we live for the flattery. I do it sometimes too. I post up. How many likes did I get? Flattery. How many hearts did I get? Flattery. How many followers do I have? That's flattery. So I'm not concerned about that. Here's what I want to say. I'm going to put this, I'm going to wrap this up. See, flattery is dangerous. I forgot to show you this last part. Think about this, because here's what's interesting. Daniel tells him, hey man, basically what this means is the game is up. Basically what this means is your job is over. And the show stops today. Now what he could have done is repented and said, oh, Lord Jesus, right? Lord, forgive me. I've sinned. That's what he could have did. That's not what he did. Look at verse 29. So he says, so Belshazzar's command 
Daniel was dressed up in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So he go ahead, he goes ahead and he promotes Daniel. I couldn't figure that out. I'm like, I just told you, you're about to lose this job, and you promote me? You must be drinking a little bit too much wine. Can you something? It's not fine, bro. I just told you. You're done. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That God, you know, I told you the meaning, meaning. We went, we went through all of that. You're not getting it? Okay, so you're going to promote me. Here's why. Here's how dangerous it is. Now, I've got some questions about Daniel on this. I'm going to be honest with you. I know we we propped Daniel up. He did some great stuff. This is a little questionable to me because he puts it on. So the Bible says that the very same night Belshazzar was king, was killed. Here's why flattery is dangerous. When the new army comes in, when the new king comes in, guess what they do? You want to know what they do? They kill everybody else. Can I come on this side so you understand this? Okay. When a new king came in in that day, anybody working for that kingdom, take them outside. That's what happened. So Darius the Mede walks in the door the same night and the king's got on his stuff and Daniel's got on his stuff. Daniel looks like he works for the king. In fact, he might even look like the king. But let me tell you how God, good, good God is. The Bible says Darius took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Wait a minute, that was... It doesn't say that Daniel was killed. It doesn't say that all of his cabinet was killed. You mean to tell me that Daniel takes over? And in fact, Daniel in verse 2 chooses, I mean, the king, the new king Darius chooses Daniel to lead his administration. You mean to tell me that God's hand is working in the unseen? That when the king storms in, he kills everybody else or whoever he decides to kill and says, don't kill that dude right there even know who he is but don't kill him here's what I'm saying there's some people and I believe it's a metaphor for the spirit that Jesus is standing in the room in your difficult moments in your day to day and if we're if we're not careful we can execute the wrong people and sometimes God is standing right there in the middle and say don't don't get rid of me don't don't push me out I might look common. I might look like everybody else, but I'm right here. And you might know what it feels like to be in the room and have the right answer and have the right solution and want to change it. And God said, just keep your mouth shut. Let me work with you. Just let your faith grow. And when it's time, I'll call you to the front. And all I want to tell you today is that God is not done working with you. He has not given up on you. And I love these divine interruptions because it just tells me that God's watching the clock. He's saying, I got one more play left. I'm not done with you yet. And so for some of you today, God has been speaking to your heart. He's been saying, look, I just need an opportunity to lead you. Just give me an invitation and I'll change your life. I want to ask that you bow your heads and 
and with me. And for, for those who just need an opportunity to, to accept Jesus today, I want to give it to them. It won't take very long. I would just ask that if God is speaking to your heart and God is, is really pressing on you to make whatever next step he has for you, maybe it's to just get started, maybe it's to get baptized next week, to small, start giving.